Frank, I, w I wish I had a different hat. Um, I should have one that's sort of maroon, maybe with a white U in garnet. the middle. Um, that's garnet. Garnet. Come on. Garnet. Sorry. But, hey, you know, we're, we're 12 seasons in 11-plus um, years, and this is the first opening to an in-the-huddle show where you get to come on with your alma mater as the Liberty League Conference champions and going back to the NCAA tournament. I know you were there uh, braving the winds and other things up in Ithaca this past weekend. So this is your moment, my friend, your team, your school. They're the champs. Congrats. Okay, I, I guess this is where I go uh, single screen here uh, and show you the mess behind me. Yeah, actually, it's not too bad today. Uh, but I will say uh, 2006 was the last time the Union was in the playoffs. Uh, and we started the show in 2008. Uh, they did have some highs, obviously. Uh, we were referring back uh, the other day to 2009 uh, game where Union knocked off then number eight Ithaca. Boy, that's ironic when you think about it because that's the last time Ithaca reached number eight in 2009. Um, there's been a very tough road for Union for a lot of people, for me, uh, to get to this point. Uh, I will say uh, on the plus side, Coach Beerman and I have uh, mutual appreciation for each other for a variety of reasons uh, after uh, this weekend especially, but um, we may get into a little of that later. But I, Coach Beerman himself has been really great uh, introduces me to players as a, a Union alum, and I appreciate that fact. Um, and I am through and through. Uh, President Harris, who I met a couple weeks back, a few weeks back, when you folks sent me to Union uh, for my first game in a few years there, uh, that was you, you're doing, folks, because we, we put the poll up, and he put, sent me back uh, to a Union game this week, too. So, hey, I appreciate you looking out for me on this whole thing. But uh, <laughs> it, it's been a much better uh, feeling overall. Uh, the AD and I got along civilly on the sideline. Uh, you know, I've had some issues there over the years and whatnot. But uh, some of the uh, uh, booster club folks that were uh, on the sideline, I will say, uh, one in particular shook my hand but then avoided me uh, remarkably for the rest of the day. Um, I think the president of the booster club didn't, I don't think, even acknowledge my existence uh, that uh, game. At the end of the day, my point is going to be this. There are two things I was mad at back when. The firing of Coach Audino, because I think it was improper the way it happened. It's history now at this point. Coach Beerman's a coach. He wanted the job. He got it. We've said this before. No ill will toward him. In fact, he's doing a tremendous job, obviously. But on the flip side of this, it was also Union needed to put resources back into the football program for it to become a winning program again. It went from 10-0 and 0 in 06 to 0 and 10 in, uh, what was it, 2015, uh, basically? Or 10-0 uh, yep. in 20, 2005, uh, 0 and 10 in uh, 2015. And they needed to do something. And it took a lot of hammering at the school, I think, eventually to get it to happen. And am I taking credit for some of the uh, resurgence of uni? You know what? A little bit. Only because I think people needed to know what was happening and that things needed to turn. And they did. From all accounts, the school is treating the football program better in terms of getting what they need. And here we are today, sitting at an 8-0 Union College program that's the Liberty League champs and going to the playoffs for the first time since 2006. So there's my 30,000-foot uh, view. For those that know enough of the story, you probably wonder how this is all playing out behind the scenes. There it is. 
Uh, the players have been great with me, Will Bellamy. On Twitter, we've uh, chronicled yep. some of the stuff back and forth with him. Great guy. Uh, I.K. Ereborg, loved uh, hanging out with him a couple uh, games uh, after the games. Andre Ross Jr. is just a character. And uh, <laughs> Evan Gilland and Paul Chambers, who you'll see on the show, great, respectful guys. Appreciated them as well. Here we are, Union, the champs. So, yep. you know what? This segment is not host chat. You're going to see what it's called in a moment. We're uh, kind of dusting off an old uh, intro, actually, because uh, we started this kind of as an on-the-road segment with uh, Frank uh, back when, and literally I was on the road on Saturday. So let's go oh, yeah. to On the yes, Road Week 9. JB, it was an interesting day in a lot of uh, angles uh, for this Union-Ithaca game. I also drove uh, to get some interviews in the Brockport-Cortland game. Those who may have listened to Around the Nation, uh, their podcast on Monday, uh, have probably heard some of the, what we did, and but not nearly enough. A little bit, yeah. Because uh, I have, what, uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, ten people I interviewed. Uh, a couple of them were uh, double-ups, wow. but... You know what? We want to break this out into a separate segment, and here we are doing so. First things first, we have a Liberal League champion. We do not have an Empire 8 champion right now. Are you surprised by how it not played yet. out? Yes, and my biggest question mark going into that game was how uh, and whether or not the uh, running back, Ike Yerbo, was going to play. He clearly did, and he clearly had a huge impact in this game, um, rushing for almost 200 yards, three touchdowns. The uh, Union offensive line really dominated the line of scrimmage, and I think um, the game plan that Jeff Behrman pulled together, much like what he did with Hobart, uh, was nearly executed to perfection. Um, kept German area off the field, uh, created some turnovers, uh, won the, the field position battle, and ultimately just uh, flat out outplayed Ithaca, who you know some of us might have had some some concerns about whether or not were they truly a top ten team. Um, yeah, I don't want to put them down. They uh, they ha definitely have a lot still to play for and can go on a, on a deep playoff run if they can uh, learn from, from uh, Saturday's game. But you got to give Union credit. Their defensive scheme, everything uh, was really executed well. Uh, there were a couple of hiccups here and there, but, you know, Will Bellamy, perfect. Um, you know, really got the ball distributed to all his playmakers like Ross Irabor was, you know, he's one of the best athletes in the East region. And, uh you know, there's a big reason why Union jumped up to number 14 in the nation in the top 25 poll um, based on their ability, but also based on the fact this weekend that Union wasn't the only team uh, that pulled an upset. There was tons of carnage. I know we had a joke when we were texting, you were going to take a take a match to your top 25 ballot. <laughs> so I'm sure you did, you know, light it up. And um, so now we have, you know, Salisbury sitting at the top of the East with a, a number seven ranking. And a few other teams stacked up behind them, including Union, um, that is the top team in New York State. I feel like the 14 uh, jump from 25 may have been a slight overreaction uh, by pollsters. Uh, but I, I look, maybe. something in the teens was warranted. Something maybe in the 17 yep. to 19 zone would have been where I would have expected them. So it was an interesting jump, and we'll see what happens. I will note, though, again, in 2009... Union became a ranked team out of nowhere after beating Ithaca in that game and then lost subsequently, I believe, in the next game. 
So that's what they have to be careful about. We'll talk more about that yeah. situation or that type of, you know, how do you get your team back from this scenario of being on the high of highs a little bit later in the interviews. Let's talk first about how we got to the final score of 31 to 21. So let's go through some clips here. Uh, we're uh, doing this in lieu of doing it in host chat because there's just too much we want to go over in both this game and stuff. the Brock Portland game. Absolutely. So let's talk Union first. And I will go monologue mode here as I show you the highlights for a few minutes. And Union got the first score of the game after taking 641 off the clock following an Ithaca punt. Here's Andre Ross Jr. from Will Bellamy from five yards out to make it 7-0 Union. But just five plays later, Joe Germanario got revenge as he found Andrew Vito for a 73-yard catch and run to tie it. You can see him pass by me uh, on the sideline, and I got the kicker in my view, but uh, nonetheless, uh, you'll see Vito scoring here. Will Halpin kicked a 38-yard field goal to close out the scoring in the first quarter, made it 10-7 Union, but in the second quarter, Ithaca strangely decided not to run the clock down as they got deep into Union territory, and eventually they had Joe Germanario score on a two-yard keeper with about two and a half minutes left. That allowed this play by Ike Erebor, and I, I, I couldn't find him at first uh, when I was doing the video in this uh, situation, but from three yards out, he made the halftime score 17-14 Union. In the third quarter, though, what Union's game plan was became clear, because in the first half, it took 641 off their uh, initial possession, this second half possession was 8.40 off the clock, and it was a 25-yard Will Halpin field goal that went wide left that ended it, but still half the quarter, more than half the quarter, was gone at that point. Eventually, the defenses dug in to make the third quarter scoreless, and in the fourth quarter, it was a lot more exciting as Erebor found Pater again, this time from 11 yards out. He made the score 24-14 Union with 12.18 left. Eventually, Joe Germanario in desperation without any timeouts. He had a, uh, a five-yard touchdown pass to Vito one more time. He made it 24-21, but they felt the need to go for the onside kick at that point, and it failed. But they still had a chance. All they had to do was stop Union around midfield. No first downs could be allowed. Well, they uh, didn't exactly succeed at that as Erebor got the hat trick with his third touchdown, this time from 46 yards out to give Union a 31-21 victory against former number eight Ithaca. And we're showing you also the final fumble recovery by Union to make that game close out at 31-21. So it really, you know, we talked about Ithaca's defense coming into this game, but Union scored four touchdowns, three on the ground, one to Andre Ross Jr. And Union's defense really, I would say, played a, a remarkably good game. Aside from that one veto uh, mess up early in the game that allowed that 70 plus yard touchdown, JB, I gotta say that Union defense played better than I thought they would in this game. Yeah, and they kind of did the same thing when they, uh, you know, when they when they took care of Hobart pretty uh, pretty handily a couple weeks ago. So this is a, this is a unit that's kind of flown under the radar, but you know, with a combination of both defensive line and, and linebacker talent, and you know, they also have some some playmakers in the secondary. Actually, one of the best plays of the game, I think, was uh, um, one of the safeties, uh, uh, Saint Pierre, who had a sure interception, uh, uh, but on the way down, he realized, wait a minute. I want to give my offense the ball at the 40-yard line because <laughs> it was fourth down. Uh, if he had made the pick, he would have 
giving him the ball inside the 10. So he smartly just let it hit the turf. Um, those heads up kind of plays, Vanderhoof had a key interception um, on one of uh, German Ariel's throws that really set up uh, Union with, with some good field position. They just, uh, you know, they just made plays when they had to. And, and we've seen that uh, throughout the season. And, you know, I think, you know, like you said, the um, the game before might have been a little bit of a dud, but maybe they were looking at, um, they, you know, can't afford to, to look ahead with Utica coming up, uh, who's also a tough team who, who gutted out a, a pretty interesting win this past weekend, but we'll cover that in our uh, week nine uh, recap, week 10 preview show coming out probably tomorrow. Uh, let's go to some interviews. I caught Will Bellamy almost right after uh, the team broke their uh, winning huddle. And here's quarterback Will Bellamy from Union. We are in the mayhem right now with Will Bellamy. Will, congratulations, Liberty League champion. You're going to the playoffs. How does this feel? feels awesome. You know, uh, when we first committed to Union, we came together as a class. We were first, Coach Behrman's first recruiting class. And, and we all came together and said, man, this hasn't been done at Union in a very long time. And, you know, this feels great because, one, I don't think there's been a team in the country that, that has worked harder than us. And, you know, I'm glad I get to celebrate it with my brothers. Last week, it was kind of pedestrian, the effort that you guys put up against uh, Buffalo State seemed like. Was there a little bit of looking ahead to this game, do you feel? No, I think as a, as a team, we've done a very good job of taking every game week by week. When you don't have I.K. Airborne in the backfield, it, 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 it's a big part of our football game. So not having him last year forced us to do some different things, but you saw what he did out here today. Compared to the Hobart game, though, Andre Ross also very influential out there, a yeah. couple touchdowns. What do you have to say about him? You know, every time I throw the ball up to him, I know it's his football. Um, for him to do what he did today, I think was huge for him, and he's going to help us a lot down the road because teams have been, you know, rolling the coverage to his side. You know, I'm having to spread the ball out a little bit, but for him to come up big in those uh, in those clutch situations is huge for our football team. 2006 Union had clinched before the Dutchman Shoes game, and they kind of came out flat in that type of game. What are you guys going to do with two games left right now, Utica and then RPI, to sort of finish the job here and try to get that 10-0 number and the, keep the shoes? Yeah, so, so last year, RPI was in the same uh, situation, you know. They were undefeated. They were number 14 in the country. And I think they got a little complacent, um, and, and it ended up in, in, in losing to us. So this year, um, you know, again, we're going to take it week by week. And the, and the Dutchman Shoes Trophy is very special to not only me, but our whole school. So we're going to make sure we do what we need to do to uh, bring that trophy back to Union as well. You were bleeding everywhere, she said to me as you came out to me. Yeah. Are you feeling okay? Yeah, I'm feeling good. I got the wind knocked out of me a little bit, but my adrenaline's pumping in a situation like this. Uh, I'm getting up and I'm playing football. Go enjoy it. Yes, sir. Congratulations. Thank you. You know, Will Bellamy, I, I think I said a couple uh, t passing touchdowns, Andre Ross, when I was talking to him. It was actually one, but there was a long pass play that set up that second Erebor touchdown. And uh, look, I said before the game, Bellamy could not throw an interception in this game. He had to play near perfect uh, football and ball control football uh, in this game. And he threw zero interceptions as Union Athletics uh, it definitely pointed out on Twitter not that long after the game. But... That's he it. did what he needed to do, by all means. Let's also, before we uh, talk about the offense a, a bit more, uh, get uh, the interview I did with Ike Erebor and Andre Ross Jr. They're accounted for all four touchdowns, three by Erebor, one by Ross. You might remember this guy from last time I uh, did a Union game, Ike Erebor, Andre Ross Jr. You had one touchdown today. He had three, 181 yards. And Andre, you had 98 yards receiving today. 
But guys, I don't think any of that really matters right now to you guys because of the win. Congratulations on being Liberty League champions and the playoff berth. Which part of that means more to you right now, IK? Right now, Liberty League champions, to be honest. Like, that's what I wanted. That's what we wanted when we got here. And so now, Andre, you've been a phenom that people have been talking about for a while. But it seemed like it seemed like the last couple of seasons. Your fan club is here. Uh, it seems like the uh, last couple of seasons, you've been close, been close, and then now over the top here. How does this feel for you? This feels amazing. Uh, nobody believed in us. We believed in us. Uh, we came here. We did what we do. We had the we had the mindset of just killing everything, and we came here. We killed it, and now we're going to the championship, baby. Now we won the championship going to the playoffs. Well, before you get there, though, we do have to talk about a couple of big things. Utica next week, a non-conference game, but the shoe's still on the line, and trying to stay undefeated to get as high a seating as possible. Not trying to be a, uh, you know, a, you know, a Debbie Downer, I guess, but IK, how do you get your team to focus, Andre, too? How do you get your team to focus now on what's still ahead of you? Right now, after winning this, after winning this game, we have to now keep our minds up as keeping, I stay undefeated this season. So that's what we're gonna have to work on for right now. We just gotta continue playing football. We we play our brand of football. We didn't play their brand. We came out. We did what we were supposed to do. We only worried about us, and that's what we gotta do to continue uh, for the rest of the season. Andre, I don't want to lose you in the shot, so come on in one little bit because I'm gonna ask you defensively. Were you surprised at all that you guys were able to do what you guys did against them? No surprise at all. I knew what we were capable of. Uh, only team, the only people that didn't believe in us was us. We had that. We had that mentality. We knew what we came out here to do. We knew we have the. Uh, the weapons on offense and we just used them and we got the dub and ik that 41 or 46 yard touchdown to end the game were you surprised you were able to get around with nobody in front of you there to be honest nah because i i knew it was gonna i know it's gonna break on one of these days with one of these in plays bro because like they're, they're just flying up the field and i'm bouncing them outside no one's gonna, no one gonna catch me after that Guys, uh, you know what uh, comes next? I, I robbed Will of his uh, shout-out, so I'm going to have to come back and uh, give him a shout-out <laughs> another day, it seems like. But, IK, shout-outs for anybody watching. Uh, shout-out to my parents for, you know, bringing me here. Thank you. Yeah, just shout-out to my family, all my supporters, everybody that was behind me before I even came here. Everybody. Thank you all. For those wondering, he really is that tall, folks. Andre <laughs> 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 We need some pictures, IK. Let's go. Oh, oh, oh they're being, they're being <laughs> yeah, uh, called away. So, you know what? We'll just send it back. 31-21 victory. Liberty right. League champions are going uh, to the playoffs. Uh, let's get it. Thank you. Again, running back, IK Arapor and wide receiver Andre Ross Jr., I can't say enough about these guys. They've had some good starts to seasons and then kind of have been poked uh, in the eye in the remaining part of the season. It feels like 8-0 in this situation was just desserts for them after what they've been through along the way. Got to be thrilled for especially Andre Ross Jr., who we've talked about for how long, but finally getting this breakthrough yeah. scenario with the team. Yeah, well, he, he wasn't rookie of the year for nothing last season. I mean, he's definitely a talented receiver, um, and he's part of a you know part of an overarching you know, recruiting plan that we're seeing play out pretty well for Coach Behrman. I mean, he's a you got him down in D.C. You got uh, Irabor, I think, from um, from the Boston area. So there's you know, they're they're pulling you know kids from top programs across the the East region. It's really starting to pay off. Um, but you know. Um, and yeah, you get a quarterback from Louisiana. We're going frogging, Frank. We're going to do a little duck hunting, you know. I mean, obviously, you know, he comes, you know, via Loomis Chafee or uh, somewhere in northwestern Connecticut. But still, I mean, what of an interesting group of guys, and and they've really uh, made themselves into one of the more interesting teams uh, this season for sure. 
Back to the Union defense, however, uh, we do have to give kudos to uh, defensive back Paul Chambers and outside linebacker Evan Gilland, who each had 10 tackles according to the preliminary totals. Uh, and uh, their senior leadership was huge, both seniors here. Let's hear from them. Frank Rossi here with guys that had matching, at least in the preliminary totals. I, I should know better than to do this because they sh they switch all these uh, stats on me. But yeah. you know what? I know you guys had a great day. We have Paul Chambers, who is the cornerback, and outside linebacker Evan Gillen for Union College. We want to talk defensively. You guys had an outstanding day. Okay, you've heard all the hype about Joe Germanario. Uh, his brother's on your team, for that matter. So you probably heard a little bit from that too. But. Tell me about what the game plan was defensively that allowed you guys to basically, you know, with a couple of exceptions, keep them pinned in all day long. Well, really what we wanted to do is just not get beat deep. No big plays. This is a team that, like you've seen throughout the season, they make their money on big plays, keep everything in front of us and tackle. We were a good, good group of 11 guys that rallied to the ball, that want to tackle. And it was just really a team effort in terms of getting to the ball and just stopping them when we needed to. Evan, from the linebacking uh, point of view, you guys are key, obviously, to have to drop back sometimes with 33 passes in the first half. Were you surprised by the number of throws that came from them? No, we, we definitely expected all the passes that were coming out. Um, we knew that they were running a bunch of crossing routes, drags, ins, uh, and we just had to have our eyes all around the field, knowing what's coming, talking the whole time. And we had to wrap up, too. Um, we knew that they are great on offense, and we just needed everyone to contribute. One, one 11th, every guy, because uh, there's 11 guys on defense, obviously, but we needed everyone to contribute, and that's what happened. And that's how we got our win. The, uh, there's a lot of back and forth going on in the first half. and The third quarter ended up being scoreless situations, some balls going back and forth, uh, the punt partial block uh, that was occurring. I mean, we had some interesting occurrences throughout this game. What were the coaches telling you guys about, uh, you know, let's say the, the ebb and flow of this game? What were the coaches telling you, especially at halftime for that matter, Evan? Mainly just to stay calm, um, don't get too crazy. You know, on, on the defensive side, when the offense was up, not to, you know, be shouting on the field. Uh, just, you know, stay calm, be complacent, and just play by play, you know, take care of your business. Paul? You had to see a lot of those passes coming at you. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, I think he crossed 50 uh, pass attempts by the end of this game. Uh, did German Nario. What, what was your feeling out there? Did you expect a long one to be let loose at some point, or did you think that your uh, brothers-in-arms back there basically were going to be ready to go and get the interceptions they did? Well, we knew they were going to take their shots. It was really just about a team effort, just keeping the ball in front of us because we had faith in our guys that we would not get beat deep. We knew if they put the ball short yardage, we'd come down and rally and make those plays and get them off the field. Well, guys, the real league champions going to the playoffs, senior leadership right here. I mean, did you feel a little bit of responsibility this year to be the leaders that you guys would turn out to be, and how does it feel right now? It really feels amazing. Honestly, we knew that this group had to really culminate the guys. The younger guys, they, they don't know what it's like to lose a bunch of games, to really be down. We know what it's like to get hit in our mouths. So we really want to pick that group up and say, hey, like we can do this. This is a good group and we have the talent to be able to make plays and win games. Evan, I'm gonna ask you a separate question though. We still have the Dutchman Shoes game. We still have Utica next week. Undefeated would matter, obviously, in terms of seeding, but also the shoes matter, I would think. What do you tell your team now in terms of what's coming up next? Yeah, I mean, every game is super important to us. Um, we ultimately don't wanna lose a single game this season and we gotta go game by game, week by week, take, uh, everything into account and just, you know, practice our tails off and do everything we need to to ensure that we can be successful on Saturdays. Let's give you guys some shout outs for any friends, family, teammates eventually that will be watching this. Evan, we'll start with you. Shout outs. Yeah, shout out um, 
Every guy on the team, honestly, you know, it was a team win. Everyone contributed. Uh, my family, Grandpa Ken, Grand Mary, Granddad Bill, all you guys. I know how much of super fans you guys are for me, so thanks for continuing your support. So shout out you guys. My girlfriend Meg might as well, in case you're watching, you know. Paul, Paul say hi to Meg. Hey, Meg. Hi, Meg. I know Meg. Here we go. <laughs> Paul, go ahead. I just wanted to say thank you to all my teammates for having my back throughout the season. I just want to say hi, Mom. I love you. Love hi, you, Dad. Mom. Hi, Jade. I love my little sister. I love my family, and I love my guys. You guys, are, you have some big families. I love it. Yeah. That's the best part of shout-outs, and it's also the best part of saying one more time, 31-21, Liberty League champs and going to the playoffs, Union College. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you, guys. Thanks. Thank you. And finally, uh, before we uh, talk even further about this game, uh, Jeff Behrman, head coach of Union. Uh, everybody was gone by this point, and uh, all Ithaca fans that decided to uh, come onto the field for whatever reason were gone at this point as well. So it's just him and I talking about Union football and what's up next, especially because of this whole Utica RPI conundrum coming up soon. Coach, uh, we, we got to stop doing this, or maybe we shouldn't because <laughs> yeah. uh, you're 2-0 with me in attendance. I don't know how that's happening, but yeah. uh, this is the big one. This is the one that mattered for all the marbles of the Liberty League. Were you surprised at how well your team executed your game plan today? I'm not surprised at all. Um, I, I, you know, credit to Ithaca College. Uh, I mean, an unbelievable program. Dan does a tremendous job. I mean, you watch these guys on film. I mean, they are they're a machine offensively, defensively. They they just do such a great job. You know, I I, I just I had a lot of faith and belief in our players and I in our coaching staff and I thought we we were able to put good plans together and more importantly the players were able to execute it when we needed to. There were still times when we didn't maybe play at our A game uh, and took the and, and and didn't execute the way we needed to. But I think for the most part they did what they needed to do. Spoke with uh, Paul and with uh, Evan uh, Paul Chambers Evan Gilland and they each had about 10 tackles uh, today, but their senior leadership seems to be so key right now. The senior leadership on both sides of the ball, how much have you relied on that to carry you guys forward to this point? A lot, you know, now that we're in year four, I, you know, the guys that are seniors now, um, they've been in the program long enough to know how we want things done. And, uh, and I think the accountability part from senior leadership down through the underclassmen has been as good as it's been uh, in the program since I've been there. So I, I feel it just keeps guys in line and make sure that we're focused on what we need to focus on. I keep asking this question. I, I hate to be the Debbie Downer type right now, but at the same time, I bring up in 2006, Union had clinched the game before uh, the Dutchman Shoes game, and they lost that game at RPI uh, that year. You've got two games left right, right. now, Utica and RPI, both games matter for seeding purposes because uh, the committee probably is going to try to take knocks at you with strength of schedule, mm -hmm. things and whatnot. How do you get this team now to focus in on these two games? Maybe the shoes game is a little bit easier because of what's on the line there, but both of these games, how do you get them to focus? Yeah, I mean, I'm already thinking about Utica, to be honest with you. I have it, uh, the film downloaded on my iPad. I'll be watching it on the way home already. I'm not going to waste any time. Um, look, I want them to enjoy this one for oh, yeah. sure tonight. But tomorrow, I, I told them in the team, the team huddle today is, uh, you know, when you wake up tomorrow, put some, uh, put some, some, uh, some, some air in your lungs and uh, exhale and get ready to come to work because tomorrow's a work day and they know it's on the line. So I think, I think again with that senior leadership that we have, I, I believe that they will, they will do what they need to do and, and uh, you know, we'll probably uh, practice very similar to how we did this this week, which uh, for us it was less was more. Uh, we didn't practice on a Sunday. We only went pads one day. We, we just wanted to be fresh for the game, and I knew it was going to be physical. Last question for you. Your family, I know they sacrificed so much. It's wind picks up around here.
I know that, uh, that they sacrifice so much. I want you to say uh, your shout-outs to your uh, group that might be well, watching. Well, certainly my, my mom and dad, uh, they wanted to be here today back in Northeast Ohio. So, mom and dad, I love you. Thanks for watching. Um, thanks for all your support through the years. And then certainly to, uh, you know, to, to my wife and my son, wife Karen, uh, son Brock. Brock just finished his, his uh, football season on Wednesday, and he had a lacrosse tournament in Tully. Uh, and they... Uh, they, uh, they came down here right afterwards. They're right behind us here. They got down here to, to see us in the end, so it was great to see them. That was a big surprise. So to mom and dad, love you. To my wife and Brock, you know, my son, love you guys too. Thank you. Liberty League champs and going to the playoffs. 31-21 victory. Coach, congratulations. Thanks, Frank. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Before that interview, I talked about the conundrum, uh, the Utica uh, RPI conundrum, uh, JB, and the conundrum is this. Do you risk hurting your players to get a home game? Uh, that that's your, your starters, I guess, is the way to say it, to get a home game. I think the answer has got to yeah. be at least yes. But then yeah, as absolutely. the game goes along, you take a 20-point lead, you might be more willing to put them on the sideline at that point to say, let's build yeah. our depth in the meantime and protect ourselves. How would you approach it? Well, I think um, with respect to the U Utica, you, you have to sort of approach it, as you said, you know, let, let your starters play. If you can get yourself a comfortable, you know, say three score lead, then you can maybe take your foot off the pedal a little bit. In the uh, in the RPI shoes rivalry game, though, um, that's a situation where, especially if you have seniors um, on, on the team, like they, they deserve to play that entire game. And um, that's a that's a that is a key um, there's so much emotion, uh, you know, connections to, to a number of different factors there. You know, you got to let those guys play. And honestly, it's a good preparation for um, for what's going to be coming up in the playoffs. You want to secure um, that home game in the first round if you can get it. Your chances of winning that uh, game are exponentially higher if you're the home team versus the road team. And, you know, depending on how things shake out, it could lead to a second uh, home game opportunity, depending on how you're seated and where you end up in the bracket. So uh, you got to play to win both of those games. Um, maybe, you know, like I said, you defer a little bit to the seniors uh, on that last one because it's a, a long time uh, trophy rivalry game. Uh, but at the end of the day, you want to do everything you possibly can to get to that 10-0. It is a sure uh, fire, uh, better ticket into into the the tournament to go in that way versus a nine and one and likely you know road team scenario playing a higher seed in foreign territory. Well, sir, you're talking about rivalries, and uh, the Cortica rivalry is coming up, and uh, the other half of that rivalry is Cortland, and I, uh, as I said, went 25 minutes up the road. Uh, to Cortland uh, to see uh, the interview, or to get the interviews, I should say, with the Brockport folk. But how, again, how did we get there? Let's go to some highlights, courtesy Brandon Miller. Appreciate his uh, work to uh, clip these up for us. Um, the linebackers coach at Brockport and a friend from the uh, local area here in the Clifton Park area in New York. And just so you know, the game was scoreless after one quarter of play, which is tough to believe after you're hearing about all the back and forth and all around of this game. But the second quarter was a track meet, especially for Cortland. Uh, first, Brett Segala found Jason Carlock from 13 yards out to make it a 7-0 Cortland lead. Took four more minutes before they built on that lead, but this time by a safety I believe it was uh, Jalay Code who couldn't exit the end zone for Brockport. Whoever it was for Brockport, they were trapped in there about four yards deep, and it made it 9-0. The Red Dragons made the most of that extra possession, scoring from 20 yards out on a Zach Tripodi run. 
Now up 16-0, though. Sagala wasn't content as he found Carlock again, this time from 14 yards out. It was 23-0 Cortland over Brockport. Yep, Freddie June got the Golden Eagles on the scoreboard before halftime with a 12-yard run of his own. That made the halftime score 23-7. In the second half, it was Brockport's special teams. Or I should actually emphasize this in a different way. It was Brockport's special teams that showed their ability <laughs> as Liam Casey's punt midway through the uh, quarter was blocked by Elijah Akins. In four plays later, Freddie June found Alex Benson for another Brockport touchdown, but after the two-point conversion failed, it was still 23-13 Cortland. The Red Dragons would score once more with a 46-yard Nick Mangelli field goal for a 26-13 lead heading into the fourth quarter. The third quarter ended, though, with a 41-yard pass play from June to Duquan Hubbard, and Brockport would cash in two plays later at the top of the fourth quarter with Jalay Code running it in from six yards out. He had over 200 yards on the afternoon. Brockport was down 26-20. In their final, or in their next drive, I should say, June was injured and had to be replaced by Jason Helwig. He initially threw an interception that acted like a punt, but in his second full drive later, he completed a 36-yard pass to Imhotep Cromer before this play where Code ran it in from 32 yards out for a 26-26 tie. Just kick the extra point. You've got the lead. Okay, but it was a blocked extra point. And so no go-ahead there. But then Justin Moyle, or excuse me, Dustin Moyle later missed a 32-yard field goal with 109 left. So the teams went to overtime, tied at 26 after one final interception by Brockport. Uh, Raylan's Boutine, I believe, was uh, the man with that last interception. In the first part of the overtime, Sigala didn't see Andrew Coveas as he tried to throw down the middle. And it, I mean, it was clear as day. Coveas was standing there, but when you're uh, under a helmet and with an offensive line in front of you, sometimes you just don't see it. And that happened there. So that mean that meant uh, that Brockport just needed a field goal to win. Helwig had other ideas, though, and on the second play of Brockport's overtime stanza, he rushed left on a misdirection play and scored from 11 yards out to win the game. 32-26 Brockport. We do not have an Empire 8 champion because they still need to win a game, especially against Alfred if they can do it on Saturday. But again, yeah. Brockport is in the driver's seat right now for an Empire 8 championship if they win one game. JB? Uh, what we a, both picked Cortland, right? Yeah. Yes, we did. Uh, mostly because we, you know, we were we thought that you know, with being at home, with the offense that Sagal and company had, those special teams touchdowns that the Red Dragons keep putting up at week after week. But ultimately, I mean, this is a this has been quite a season for Brockport. Maybe not the way they predicted it would pan out, but um, they have uh, ever since that rough week one loss, they have picked themselves off the mat and rattled off what is now seven straight wins. And once again, uh, you know, they were down 23-0, didn't quit, got that touchdown in at the end of the first half, which was really critical play in many, in many regards, shows you the resolve and the toughness that Coach Mangoni and company have instilled into these kids. And um, you just have to tip your cap, too, especially to, to Helwig. Um, you know, speaking of tip of the cap, tip of the cap to uh, Keith McMillan for the, uh, the game ball and some of the sentiments that he, that he gave towards uh, Helwig, a, a true uh, team player and, and kind of a captain, just, you know, there to 
you know, senior season isn't really panning out the way he wants, but it, he gets this this great opportunity, capitalizes on it. And I think you even said when you when you spoke to him that you could see some of the, the emotion uh, of sort of the realization of what just happened kind of hitting him in real time. And, um, you know, irrespective of how this year pans out for, for him, whether he starts another game or not, this is going to be a memory that he will hold on for a lifetime. And it certainly um, has put Brockport on the precipice for yet another playoff berth. And, and who knows what, what happens from there. Let's uh, hear from Jason Helwig after that game. Frank Rossi with Jason Helwig here. And uh, Helwig, I don't know if you expected necessarily to be standing with me uh, after or before this game was played, but uh, you uh, ran in the winning touchdown in overtime, 32-26 in favor of Brockport in this big game today. Uh, for those that weren't watching, why don't you tell folks uh, how this kind of came to be and uh, how does it feel? I mean, it feels incredible first off. Um, coming in here you are you are glowing man right I, I have to be honest with you I haven't seen you like this in a while yeah as as underdogs I think for a lot of people coming in here and coming away with a win was pretty pretty big especially with the conference championship on the line for for future games coming up too but just, I saw the play before we probably would have scored actually but the backside defender came around and uh, tackled Jale in the back we only gained one yard and coach called in a zone read the next play, and I pretty much knew before the play I was going to keep it because how hard the guy had come crashing in. So I, as soon as I saw the wide open space, I knew we were home free with a victory on the road. So you uh, you've been kind of playing utility ever since you got injured, and uh, the Hobart game was obviously a little bit of a mess for you guys and everything else. This has not been necessarily the season you thought it would be coming into it. Does this kind of make that all go away in a lot of ways? Your feelings right now? I think it does, especially. I mean. We were doubted by a lot of people after one game, a non-conference game, with a lot of new players across the board, not just a, not just a quarterback or O-line, but a whole slew of different positions. And I think ever since then, we've talked about how one game doesn't define us as a team. And I know, especially for me, getting hurt in the first game pretty, pretty banged up. We're not being able to go for like the next four games is pretty serious and not something that you ever want. But I think we've had a lot of good support. I've had a lot of good support from the coaching staff and the players. And me and Freddie are very close. I mean, we've been going, like, I think, like, the past three or four games, we've been going back and forth. I know the Hardwick game he didn't play. And then the Utica game, he came out, he was banged up at halftime. And same thing today. So if he gets the win, I congratulate him. And if I get the win, he congratulates me. So we're just here more for the W's than individual awards. The Alfred game obviously matters here. Uh, how do you keep this team's head in the game right now? Because uh, technically you haven't won anything besides today's game. Yeah. How do you keep the uh, team's head in the game? Yeah, I mean, we're going to come focus no matter what because we've been building on that the past six or seven weeks with just trying to get back on people's radar, being doubted. But we know that Alfred's usually very good every year and one loss, I think they lost today, right? One loss doesn't define them either because we know that people are counting us out after one loss. So. We're certainly not. We're certainly not interested in looking over anybody. I think you deserve some shout-outs. Go ahead. Shout out my parents. Um, they made the trip today. Um, my brothers, Adam and Jalen. My girlfriend, Kayleen. Uh, hey, Kayleen. <laughs> Coach, Coach Potter, Coach Mangoni, uh, the whole staff. Shout out all the offensive line and all the skill guys: Freddie, Daquan, Cromer, Benson, all those guys. Couldn't talk about uh, the Hellwig probably without the Coveus uh, interception. He also had seven tackles on a day second leading tackler uh, for Brockport, uh, according to preliminary figures. And so let's uh, hear from him as well. 
This is the Andrew Coveus uh, fan club for even start this interview going on here. I guess so. Seven tackles. Uh, really, in some ways, is the game-winning interception because you gave your team that chance. All they needed was the field goal, uh, but uh, Hellwood gets the touchdown instead. Tell me how you're feeling right now uh, after kind of nobody was really giving you guys a chance in this game or this season after what happened at Hobart. How's it feel? It feels good. You know, we go in every day and we're just working hard and trying to do what we know we could do. And uh, every day we just keep working harder and harder to accomplish our goals. You know, this Cortland team is no slouch. Uh, and yeah. obviously they had a tough game against Fisher last week. But how tough was it to game plan for a guy like Brett Segala, who almost got you guys last year when mm -hmm. some people said, oh, this was even a better team last year. Well, maybe not. Mm -hmm. We'll see how this all plays out. But mm -hmm. how, did you, how does it work to game plan for him? We just kind of stick to what we do. And everyone focuses on their 111th. And as long as we all do that, we just hope it goes good. Second time I've heard that today. Yeah. Uh, Union said the 111th thing, too, and yep. it, it, it seems to be sticking across Division Three. So, again, I asked Helwick this. I'm going to ask you this. You won a football game today, but you didn't win a conference title yet. Mm -hmm. How do you guys stay focused for what's next? Just keep going for the bigger goal. The goal was to win this game, but ultimately, you know, we want to go out and we want to win conference championships as a program and do it for our school and our program and our coaches who are out there every day with us. For you, what was the turning point today uh, of this game when uh, things, when you finally said to yourself, maybe we have a good chance in mm -hmm. this thing? The turning point, I mean, I just, we came out a different team once we went into the locker room at halftime. We sat down and regrouped and we all talked and we said we were going to play for each other and uh, that we came out and that's what we did. 111th, you, uh, you played like 11-11ths uh, at the end uh, in that overtime to get that INT when they had a third and five. But uh, I want to give you a chance for any shout-outs you have for any fa family, friends, or anybody else who might be watching. I just want to shout out my family, all my coaches, and uh, everyone who's just been with me throughout the way, my grandparents. And uh, I just love being here. I love Brockport. Congratulations, bud. Thank you. But the star on offense really had to be Jale Code. We've got his name right, as you'll hear me uh, pick on myself in this interview coming up. Jale Code, we got you now, Jale. You see, I can't, you know, I should know better. We're going to talk here for names with us, Frank. We just got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, nonetheless, Jale from Long Island. Uh, so uh, when I told him I was from Manhattan, he uh, lit up because, uh, you know, when you're up in Brockport, you don't get, come across many New York City folks uh, these days, uh, although I do split time between upstate and downstate. So, so does he now. And Jale, here is his interview with over 200 yards in a day and multiple touchdowns. Frank Rossi with Jale Code. Okay, I've been screwing this up every which way, and now <laughs> I get to meet you, sir, and get to tell you 210 yards uh, this afternoon. Mm -hmm. A tremendous day. But obviously, this game was very much in doubt for most of it uh, for Brockport. Down 23-7, to 7, I think it was, at mm -hmm. halftime. Did you kind of tell the team to put it on your back and you'd carry them the rest of the way? How did this work? Well, I just told everyone, you know, just keep your head high because you never know what could happen, you know. So the offensive line, we just got everything together. You know, I just thank Coach Potter for, you know, doing, you know, helping them, telling us what we got to do. So we just came out, executed, and played back for football. That's how it is. Brockport football uh, has uh, had some ups and downs this season compared to most seasons. Obviously, the Hobart game something we don't want to talk too much about, but the rest of the season, some struggles here and there, but you guys have really done great up to today uh, to kind of get clearer teams. Mm -hmm. How did it feel to win, let's say, the close one today? It felt great, you know, without backing against the wall. It was a, it was a, it was a great win, you know. We came together, we told each other that we had to pull this one off, you know and we, we did what we had to do. You know, we stepped up in crunch time. 
Jolly, you haven't won anything but a game, though, today. Uh, Alfred, obviously, uh, still has something to say about it. You have, you've got two games left uh, in conference. So how do you kind of say to your, guy, your guys at this point, we still got to do things? Do you, do you put it on yourself tonight to start talking about that, or do you wait a couple days? I mean, we do what we've been doing, you know, just just doing what we're doing, you know, we just... Don't change a thing, huh? Nah, not at all. Just keep playing back for football, you know. Uh, I'm going to give you a chance here. You've got a chance for shout-outs. I hear you're from uh, Strong Island, uh, <laughs> not too far from where, where I'm in uh, Manhattan. So, Scott's okay, skipping okay. a jump over yeah. uh, the river. Okay. But uh, I want to give you a chance for the shout-outs to any family, friends, teammates who might be watching here. Uh, you know, I just want to shout-out my dad. Uh, and I definitely want to thank my teammates and everyone, the coaching staff. I appreciate everyone here at Brockport. It's definitely a family, and I'm glad I'm here. Even with the cold weather? Yes, absolutely. You can <laughs> through it. There you go. Jelly, great to meet I you. I appreciate it. Thank Congratulations. you Congratulations. So, a uh, funny story for you uh, before our last interview. Uh, Steve Potter, the offensive coordinator for Brockport, I, was tracking down folks for me as I got there. You know, people were heading to the bus and whatnot, but not everybody was out of the locker room yet. One of those people was uh, Jason Mangoni, head coach of Brockport. And according to Potter, uh, he yes, uh, it wasn't as long as I've seen it, but it's still fearful. The yeah, beard, yeah, a little more high and tight. Yeah, it's yeah. looking good though. I like it. High and tight. Yeah, if that's what that is. <laughs> um, it, it, that was tight. Ish. Get ish yeah. Uh, so so uh, Potter, Potter goes in and says, "Hey, uh, Rossi uh, wants you uh, for an in the huddle interview," and he thought. What he meant was that Rossi wants him to join by video conference for, uh, you know, this week's coach interview or something like that. Not yeah, realizing, like, okay, I was, yeah. yeah, I was actually at the game. And so he was a little surprised to see me waiting outside with a camera or a camera phone, I guess. Uh, here is, yeah, weren't you at Ithaca? <laughs> that was kind of the uh, question. But here is Jason Mangoni in an interview with him. Mangoni, what the hell was the speech at halftime? Because down 23-7, to you got this team to turn it around, winning in overtime. It's 32-26 final in overtime, but it was a 16-point game at, at halftime. What did you say? First off, I forgot that it was actually 23-0 at one point. Um, I don't even know what I said. Uh, I may have dropped a few choice words. and uh, But at the end of the day, it's really just, do the kids have it or not? Do they want it or not? You know, you can yell and talk and say whatever you want as a coach. Do the players come out and they respond? And if, if they have unity, which I think our kids do, I, they'll be fine. And at the end of the day, today, they play together. Let me ask you a question. Is this season fun for you? I mean, the Hobart loss, obviously, what it, is what it was, yeah. okay? And you've had a couple of struggles here and there. Today was a struggle, no doubt. But then you kind of have coasted the last few games in some ways. But has this been fun for you this season? It's been fun and it's been challenging, right? Because every season possesses new motivations, new challenges. What people I don't think realize is a few things. One, we have, I think, four senior starters in our entire, in our entire offense defense. So we're young. We have a freshman quarterback handing the ball off to a sophomore tailback who's blocking, who's running behind a, a sophomore fullback, who's behind sophomore left tackle, sophomore left guard, sophomore right tackle, uh, freshman tight end. I can go on, right? Then you talk about the defense, how young they are. We've got a freshman corner, sophomore corner, sophomore safety. We're going to have a lot of things that occur that we have to overcome, and you just got to trust that these young guys do their job. And, and obviously, maybe we didn't know enough to be caught off guard by a 23-0 lead because we're so young, right? All they did was battle, trust their coaching, trust their ability, and at the end of the day, believe in themselves and trust the guy next to you. Helwig had a 
heck of a start of his season, obviously, yeah. and he's been utility for you in a lot of different ways, punting, I think, too, and yep. everything. Then Freddie's getting banged up out mm -hmm. there, and you tell him, go in. I, I, from what I understand, uh, you told him basically on a third and forever play to throw it up as a mock punt, and it yeah. worked as, yeah. as a punt-style thing. Yeah. But he comes back, leads you guys to a tie, mm -hmm. to the win in overtime with that touchdown. How do you feel about him right now? Love him. Right, jack of all trades. Uh, I mean, again, when we need somebody to go in and punt, like you referred to a second ago, he goes in and does that. He hits good punts and had a sh little shank the first one, right? But he's standing in his own end zone, so just get the ball off and trust your defense. Like, we don't need a block. We don't need a bad play. He goes in and punts a good ball. And then the pick, he does exactly what we ask him. And then he comes in and he's asking me for plays, basically telling me, you know, we can do this. When you have that kind of moxie and that kind of confidence, how do you not want to root for the kid, right? And then he goes in and plays and goes out and balls out. And uh, and I think our kids got juiced up when he was in there. You know, we rally around Freddie. We'll rally around Jay. We'll rally around whoever's holding that ball behind us. Um, I feel really, really good for him because he needed this redemption after what some people thought was a bad Hobart game. Um, it wasn't all on him, obviously. And when people watch the film, they'll realize that. Uh, but what a great job by him today. That may be the best one for six with one interception line I've ever seen in the game of college football. <laughs> but nonetheless, it got you guys a win with yeah. the running touchdown by him. So from here, Alfred, I, I, the result I didn't even pay attention to today. Regardless, you yeah. got to win a game yeah. in the next couple of weeks, mm -hmm. at least one, maybe both. What do you tell this team now to focus on it? Well, again, I, I told him at the end of the game, right? We don't come here to, to beat Cortland. Our goal this year was not to go seven and one. Our goal is to go ten and zero. Unfortunately, we can't do that. Next best thing is nine and one. So, if we can't refocus as a group, we don't deserve to be eight and one. So, yes, enjoy this. We're going to have a great ride home right now. <laughs> um, probably one of the funnest we'll ever have. But at the end of the day, if we're content with seven and one, you're in the wrong program. So, so we got to come back hungry. We got to get healthy, not only physically but obviously through illness. We've had a few guys sick. And, uh, and come out and battle and, and get ready for uh, for a tough Alfred team that plays hard week in and week out. I'm just happy that when I walked through the gauntlet as I came through, uh, it seemed like either they didn't know who I was or forgave me for last year's back nope. and forth. I will tell you this. If, if we get mad because of somebody says a, a bad thing about us or goes against you, what kind of mental toughness do you have, right? At the end of the day, like I said before, right, do we pay attention? Yeah, right? We love what you guys do for D3 football. But if you say something bad for us and it doesn't motivate us in the right way you're in the wrong program right if everybody's just saluting you and giving you all these great compliments you're gonna start believing them real soon so we use it as fuel don't use it as anger towards you by no means but at the end of the day if you say something bad about us i know i'm gonna fire me up right and, and, and we're here to win here regardless so it, 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 if it gets us going then thank you John Drock and Ralph, I certainly agree with you. From what I understand, I'm on more Bolton boards than I care to be. 32-26 overtime victory. Congratulations, Thank Coach. You very much. And good luck down the stretch. Appreciate it. you the man, Frank. I asked him if he was having fun for a reason. You can see it on his face, okay? He is enjoying this season. And we all had the question about what would happen without Jeremy Rio and how things would turn out if they lost games. Would this be just a miserable experience for him and everything else? I think this team could have gone 5-5 five and five this year, and he's having the time of his life with teaching these new players, getting new starters into the right position. He talks about how young this team is right now with only, what, four starters, uh, four uh, returning, or four seniors, I think he said, on offensive starters. Right. Easy for me to say. But uh, nonetheless, it's, it's a team that's got a lot of growth in front of it, 
And they grew by leaps and bounds in that second half on Saturday against Cortland. What do you think? I think if this is a rebuilding year for Brockport, then the rest of the East is uh, is in trouble <laughs> for the next <laughs> few years. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's it, it does show a lot of um, uh, perseverance kind of across the board. They found ways to to win with defense. You know, when you think back on that uh, week two game against Framingham State where they won on two pick sixes, um, you know, that Mike, uh, sorry, Coach Fox has, has done a, a great job, you know, getting that rush defense back to where they were last season. I mean, it's just a, it's just an outstanding coaching job. I mean, if you know, if not for maybe Coach Behrman, you know, you might be looking at you know, the Coach of the Year award again for uh, Coach Mangoni. I mean, I think you got to you got to give uh, Coach B, you know, maybe the slight nod one A at this point for what he's done with with Union over these last couple of years in the season in particular. But um, I mean, both of those guys are, are, are having a great uh, great season, and the, and the likelihood of us seeing a Union versus Brockport game in the NCAA playoffs is probably pretty good, Frank. So we'll get to see uh, these two top teams in New York State probably battle it out in a couple of weeks, assuming you know things kind of go as planned. But you know, this past weekend shows you what happens to the <laughs> best league plan. So we'll see. Um, both teams certainly control their destinies and, and uh, are looking good. Before I explain what the rest of the week's going to look like on our show, uh, I think you want a, a little bit of a soapbox moment of sorts without naming any names, uh, perhaps, to talk about some uh, episode that occurred this weekend. Uh, technically, I probably should be the one talking about it, but I really don't want to personally. And I think you validate or validated uh, some of my uh, angst about what did happen ultimately and got some more information about it as well. So, again, without naming names, take the floor. Well, I mean, I do, I do think in general we've seen kind of across the board the sort of a lowering of of, um, of good sportsmanship and, and behavior um, from fans, you know, at any level of, of football. But um, you know, when I heard about the incident that happened at Ithaca to you, I I, um, I reached out to some some folks and was kind of. Uh, I was upset by it because you know that that kind of thing shouldn't happen, especially um, you know coming from a uh, you know a parent of a player and and one of those things where you're just trying to you know do your job. I mean, obviously this is more of a advocation for us um, than uh, than something we you know we're we're you know getting paid for, which honestly was one of the best. Uh, one of the best parts of this weekend, Frank, was when you were referred to as, you know, you do D3 football for a living, um, which sometimes it probably feels like that <laughs> to our friends and family. But um, and on a more serious note, in the interview with uh, Mangoni, uh, the, I do like the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, our quote unquote jobs isn't to be necessarily you know, best friends to um, the different programs out there that we cover, we have to be honest and objective. And sometimes we're going to say some things that people may not like to hear, they may not want to admit is true, or may not want, um, you know, any kind of uh, criticism, constructive or otherwise, to go in the direction of, of their programs. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, we, we try to take this as seriously as we can, even though it's, you know, at the, at the end of the day, we're doing this more um, as, a, as a hobby than like being on ESPN or something, but we would be doing a disservice to the coaches and players and, and I think the, you know, the fans out there if we, if we didn't give an honest opinion. And some people um, can take honest opinions and others clearly can't. And so for those of you that can't, sorry, I don't know what to tell you. We're going to keep operating in the same way that we've always operated for the last you know, 12 years, 11 years, 12 seasons, whatever it is. 
and um, that's it. To be called bully, a bully in uh, classless uh, after a football game uh, by somebody from uh, the losing team's contingent uh, is, to me, unacceptable. Um, I would say to anybody that would uh, offer that kind of view, take a look at what I looked like about 10 years ago uh, in what I was doing versus now. I think I've grown up a whole lot and know the difference between right and wrong and how to do this. I consider myself a personality more than a broadcaster at times, but I try to make sure that we stay within a journalistic realm of broadcasting, even through being personalities, you and me both. Um, and I would say this, if anybody doesn't want to believe that, then just go back into the Tevin Jones scenario with us, where we try to actually install as much class as possible on a very, very sticky issue last year, where you know a school wasn't thrilled that we were necessarily uh, promoting the situation the way we were, but at the end of the day, it worked out for everybody because we handled it very carefully. Tevin handled it very carefully. Mary Harden Baylor realized that fact and embraced him again to come back onto that team and look at him this year. So for me to be considered a bully and classless, listen, you take that over to Mount Union if you want, uh, the way that certain people have treated me over there. Uh, and I like most people about you. I really and truly do. There's one or two bad apples that yeah. will come at me for whatever reason. And that's that. But this is Division Three football coverage. You want, you tell us, to get that feel of Division One coverage to a certain degree. The attention, the, the cameras, the lights, and at least the feeling that this was Division One in that respect, even though it's Division Three. And that's what we've tried to provide to you every week with news, with coverage, with interviews. And so we're not gonna please everybody, I get that. But bullying classless, I said something I regret saying after that persisted on Saturday. I apologize for that and losing my cool after the fact, but it was a little taken I don't blame back, you for I will admit. Cool. You, uh, you handled yourself better than I would have. They would have had to call security. <laughs> So for the rest of the week, let's look forward instead of back at this point. Um, for the rest of the week, we're going to have host chat out on Tuesday uh, during Election Day. So remember, go vote, folks. On Wednesday, we're going to have a live show. Once the regional rankings come out, we will go through them. But on Tuesday's uh, recorded show, the host chat show, don't forget that we're going to have our predicted regional rankings. You'll be surprised by some of the discussion we'll get into about will Wesley actually remain the number one team for Pool C consideration in the East. How many teams will get through from the East in Pool C? And why does that all matter ultimately, the orderings and all that re uh, related to it? Where does Union end up ultimately? We're not gonna just look at where we think this week's rankings are. We're gonna actually talk about where they go from here because a lot will change. You know, even just assuming everybody wins, a lot will change, okay? That, that's, that's the funny thing about all this. So. You want to tune in Tuesday. We're not going to try to go too deep into the weeds, but we will give you a lot of information. We'll look at all the conference races, have plenty of video clips on our Crunch Time segment, etc. Again, Wednesday will be live. Around 3-ish o'clock is when they usually do it Eastern time. But we'll, once we see it, we'll try to come out within 15 minutes after we process it and get it typed up for you on the screen. And then Friday, as always, we have our prediction show. We are going to avoid a uh, player interview, coach interview, besides this show today, because we, we do have so much content from uh, those two games. And also, uh, I think you need a little break. Yeah, you're going to probably have in-the-huddle fatigue by the end of this week uh, at this pace. 
So tune in Tuesday for Host Chat, Wednesday for Regional Rankings Live, Friday for Predictions Live, and then Saturday we'll have possibly, we're working on the idea of uh, the Blitzer again uh, to do a little bit of a whip around. We'll give you the details on that tomorrow to the degree that we're able to uh, make that happen. So a lot coming at you. That'd be a great blog name, as I always say, but um, go out and go. There you go, sir. See you tomorrow.